started talking about is that Jesus is the center. And I appreciate the worship team. Let's clap it up for the worship team again. They, they do a tremendous job in leading us back to God. And, you know, I, I really think that was, that was pretty incredible. And then uh, last week, Mike talked about part two of this, this threads or this idea of core values. And he went into the book of Acts. And in, books, in the book of Acts chapter three, he talked about Jesus being the center. He talked about, you know, he is, um, sorry, Jesus the center, that was Peter. And then um, you're talking about mutual submission. And, and, you know, it was so important to think about, hey, when, when we come into the relationships of the church, we need to have a mutual submission to one another out of reverence for God. And then he touched upon life is better connected. So those were kind of some of the, the guiding core values. Don't weren't all of them. But it was just kind of the theme. And tonight or this morning, we're going into the grand finale. Today is the last part. And I'll be talking about two important core values or two important things that, that we should really try to host in on. But in order to illustrate this a little bit better, I asked a couple of my young friends to come up on stage. All right, they're, they're dressed really nice, and, and I wanted to introduce this idea of threads. So let's go ahead and give them a round of applause as they come up on stage. Come on up, come on up over here. Don't be shy, all right? They're, they're feeling a little shy. And... Uh, it was brought up to my attention, okay, so, so these guys, if you haven't heard of this organization they're part of, it's called the Boy Scouts, all right, and uh, they're, they're pretty popular out here, and I just wanted to ask them a little bit about these guiding principles that they have going on. They have some things that, that really hold them together. You guys look awesome, by the way, all right, don't be shy. Just, we're just trying to focus here, and I want you to share your name and how long have you been involved with the Boy Scouts? Uh, I'm John, and I've been in the Boy Scouts for six years. Awesome. Hi, I'm Gary, and I've been part of the Boy Scouts for nine years. Wow, all right. I'm Jonah, I've been in the Boy Scouts for seven years. Uh-huh. I'm Jacob, I've been part of the Boy Scouts for eight years. Okay. I'm Joshua Lickfelt, and I've been part of the Boy Scouts for nine years. Nine years, awesome. I'm Carson Casada, and I've been in Boy Scouts for eight years. Awesome, well, let's give them a round of applause. That's really cool to see the commitment. And, and I just have a couple of questions uh, for you guys so that you guys can help me illustrate this idea of threads. I want to ask you, when you think of the, of the core values or when you think of what are the guiding principles in the Boy Scouts, you know, what comes to mind? What are some things that come to mind? Um, friendship and uh, just hanging out with each other as a family. Okay, so friendship, loyalty, hanging out as a family, those are great. And uh, I, I think we were talking a little bit earlier, and you mentioned that there was the law or something like that or the 12. What was it called again? Um, Scout law. Yeah, the Scout Law, okay. And what is that? Tell us a little bit about the Scout Law. I don't know too much about it. Um, it's, a, it's basically laws that we follow. So, like... Yeah, it seems like you... All right, go ahead, Josh. Come the down. 12 points of the Scout Law are the guidelines that we follow to, for the Boy Scouts to strive by. Okay, awesome. So there you have, they have, they have 12 guiding principles, all right? They're things that help them out. Now, let me ask you, how does being like a, a contributor, when you think of like, you know, giving back and working as a team, how does that relate to being in the Boy Scouts? Anybody want to share that? Yeah. We contribute by doing service projects, as John said. Okay. Awesome. So they go back, they think about how they can give back, and that's really awesome. And I want to ask you one final question. How has, be, how has being in the Boy Scouts impacted your life? What are some of the things that 
kind of stand out to you or what impacts you when you're part of the Boy Scouts? Uh, it changed our personalities and actually made us more helpful and uh, giving more. Awesome. It helped me be a better leader. Okay, great. Anything that comes to your mind, Gary? All right, Gary, it's all right. I won't skip you, all right? He's just being a little shy. Um, loyalty and trustworthy. Okay, so loyalty and trustworthy are things that he sends out. How about you, John? Uh, it helped my character and my confidence. Character and confidence. How about you, Carson? Uh, it helps, like, the push has to be better. Awesome. Look at this. These are guiding principles that help them to be able to intertwine and think about what's shaping their lives. Let's go ahead and give them another round of applause. Thank you, guys. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. Thank you. So I really appreciate that, you know, just thinking about, okay, these guys have this mindset. They have this, this thing that guides them, and it's very unifying to them, you know. But uh, before I continue, I want to go ahead and give a quick shout-out to Robert Loyal's his birthday today. So, woo <laughs> Happy birthday, Robert. I just thought about that, and I was like, hey, I'll use this moment real quick to say happy birthday. Everybody say happy birthday, Robert. <laughs> so great to have you here, bro. Um, but now we're going to go ahead and jump into God's Word. So... If you don't have a Bible, you can look up here. In Judges chapter 6, we're going to go ahead and start looking at a particular situation. In Judges chapter 6, verse 1 and 2, it says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for, se and, in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. It goes on, it says, Whenever the Israelites planted their crops... The Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded their country. They camped on the land, uh, they camped on the land and ruined their crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing. For Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. And it says, they came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts, and it was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Median so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. All right, here we're getting, just so you know, I jump right into the scripture here about, you know, a, a little history uh, of, the, of the Israelite people. And in the book of Judges, we see that the Israelites are going through a really hard time. They have these guys that, you know, the Midianites, and the Israelites are being bullied. You know, they're, they're trying to advance, they're trying to plant some crops, and all of a sudden, boom, here comes another, you know, uh, uh, the Midianites, here comes another uh, types of people, and they're taking them out. They're just robbing. They're stealing everything. And I thought about that, and I was like, man, I can really relate with the Israelites sometimes. You ever been there when you try to move forward and something keeps pulling you back? You know, you try to make a change, and it pulls you back? I've been there. And, you know, I just thought about, okay, here's the question that I want to ask you. How do you respond when you face obstacles, challenges, or setbacks? I want you to think about that for a second. How do you respond? Just like, you know, here the Israelites, man, they're facing opposition. It, it's difficult to, to get a right perspective or to get a right view. And I want to do a little crowd interaction, all right, because I know I'm still kind of like focusing on the screen here. But I want you to take a look at this next picture. And, you know, as you look at this picture, you know, I don't know about you, but if it's playing tricks on you, it was playing tricks for me too when I was looking at it. All right, it says, the quote says, life is all about how we see things. And the closer I looked at that picture, I was like, is this guy looking at me or is he looking this way? You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if, did anybody else cast that? Did anybody else see that? Okay, great. Yes, that, that was playing a trick on me. 
And as I thought about that, I was like, interesting, because it's all about how we see things, perspective. Here's another picture, all right? Maybe this one's a little bit easier for you. Is it four? Or is it three? <laughs> all right? I don't know if you start catching. If you look intensely at the screen, you look at it from one perspective, you see four. You look at it from the different perspective, you see three, all right? So uh, that was just a freebie. I, as I was thinking about the lesson, I was like, hey, my wife and I could be right at the same time. No, all right, so I was like, hey, it's all perspective, right? I was like, hey, that's a freebie, Mary Brothers, all right? There we go. It's all how we look at it. So I, I was just thinking about that, and perspective is so crucial because perspective will determine how you approach your life circumstances. So this is why I want to talk about my, my, the core value, the thing that a principle that I want us to talk about today is having a godly perspective. I want us to think about what does it mean to have a godly perspective. And, and in order to do that, we're going to zoom in a little bit. I set the background about the Israelites being oppressed. And, and now we're going to look at actually someone that was being oppressed. And let's look at Gideon for a second. All right? Maybe you heard his story. But I want us to take a look in, in Judges chapter 6, verse 11. Let's look at Gideon's perspective. See, it says that Gideon... We get the introduction here to Gideon's perspective. In, in verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak and offered that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. Here's our introduction to this guy named Gideon. And Gideon is actually, it says that he was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. And as I thought about that, I was like, interesting. Because he's talking about, okay, where is Gideon at? He's in a wine press and he's threshing wheat. And I didn't really know what that meant, so I kind of looked it up. And, and threshing wheat was the process that you were supposed to do with the wheat to get the grain out of it. And see, what I didn't know is that you were supposed to do this in an open and public place, preferably on a hilltop. So you were supposed to kind of thrust the wheat and get everything out, the grain, so you can use the wheel to go over the, the wheat to get the grain out and, or the ox's feet. And you did it at the top of a hill in a public place. But where is Gideon doing it at? Where? In a wine press. And I was like, okay, what does that look like? This is what a, a wine press looked like. He was actually in a hole. And I started thinking like, whoa, Gideon, dude, what are you doing? You're in a hole. How, you know, you don't have a lot of room down there. And I started thinking about, you know, why was he in a hole? And he was in a hole because the Midianites were oppressing him. His circumstances had determined his mindset. So he had allowed fear to put him in this dark hole. And let's look at continue to see just Gideon's perspective because then God enters the picture and we have a dialogue between God and Gideon. But I just took a little extract here to continue to look at Gideon's perspective because the Bible goes into a little bit more detail on, on Gideon's feelings. He says, you know, so God talks to him and then he says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Look at what Gideon's doing here. He starts questioning. He asks, why, how, when, God, have you abandoned us? It's interesting how our circumstances can, can, can impact our mindset. And that's what I want to mention here. Look, he's just feeling horrible. And, and you know, we think of Gideon, and I'm like, man, dude, you're, you're just questioning everything. 
And look again what he says when, you know, God talks to him, but then he replies back. It says, pardon me, my Lord, get in reply, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. And I just started looking at Gideon's perspective. And let's step outside of Gideon for a second. Let's talk about us. How many of us start feeling like Gideon right here? How many of us are thinking, man, I'm the weakest in my family or the weakest in my clan? Me? I'm supposed to overcome this? I'm supposed to change that? No way. I can't do it. You know, sometimes we start struggling with our perception and we start questioning whether God is really with us, you know? And I don't know about you, but uh, it was really humbling to take a look at this because I started thinking about difficult times in my life when I was trying to overcome something in my life and and it just kept hitting me back and it kept knocking me down. And then I started believing that I could not overcome a sin in my life. And maybe for you, maybe you're facing some health challenges. Maybe for you, you're feeling unhappy, weak, alone, depressed. Maybe you're, you know, trying to overcome a repeating cycle. Maybe for you, you're trying to fight through a marriage, trying to hold it together. Maybe you're praying for your kids to become disciples. What is the one thing that's hindering you? What is the one thing that's challenging your relationship with God right now? Maybe you're feeling financial stress. There's always opposition coming around us. And that's why it's so important. The question is, how are we going to respond to the opposition? How are we going to respond to the challenges of life? So I want us to look at God's perspective. All right? So that was Gideon's perspective. And that was from a humanistic perspective. And here's the thing that we got to understand that we got to get our thinking from a humanistic perspective to a godly perspective. Are you guys with me? All right, so let's go ahead and look at a godly perspective here in verse 12. Again, going back to this dialogue that Gideon and God are having. He says in verse 12, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you. What does he call him? No, what does he call him? No, say it louder again. What does he call him? Mighty warrior. Look at that. God's perspective of Gideon, he says, go, I am with you. I am, you are a mighty warrior. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I can be a little cynical sometimes, you know, <laughs> and be like, what? You're calling Gideon a mighty warrior? Did we not see the hole that he was in? What's the first thing to have in a godly perspective is you got to listen to God's word. You got to listen to God's word. See, Gideon had open ears, even though he didn't believe it right away. God said, go you know, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And I want you to start thinking, okay, if you want to have a godly perspective, you got to get back into God's word. You got to listen to the true voice. You got to listen to what God is telling you. And here's the beautiful thing, that in the weakest and darkest and loneliest, most shy and timid and fearful uh, Gideon, God calls him a mighty warrior. What about you? See, the beautiful thing I love about God is that he doesn't identify us by who we are now, but who we're going to be in him. And that's what I love about God. And if we start having that perspective, let me see things through God's eyes, we're going to start believing in him and believing in ourselves. So that's where it starts. And look at another in verse 14. So again, Gideon was like, no, I can't do this. But let's look at this in verse 14. It says, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. And save Israel out of the Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? What's the second thing to having a godly perspective? 
that we understand that it's not about me, but it's about God. Here's the second thing. It's not about what we're doing, but it's about what God's doing in our lives. See, he says, go in the strength you have. But when I looked at Gideon, I'm like, dude, you don't have much strength. You're being a coward. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, hey. But God's saying, no, go in the strength you have. I am sending you. And what about if we listen to this next perspective in God? From God's perspective, it says, the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. What, what if God told you this? I, am, I will be with you, and you will. Dot, dot, dot. Filling the blank. How about for you? What about if you started looking at it and said, you know, what does God want to do with my life? If you started looking at, okay, I can overcome any obstacle, any challenges, because God is with me. What would you want to do for God? I want you to start dreaming about what God wants to do with your life. Because the moment we stop thinking about, you know, what does God want to do with our lives, we start focusing on the here and the now. We start focusing on the problems that are around us. That's why God is saying, I will be with you and you will. I want to encourage you this morning. God has amazing plans for you. He has created you for good works. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about that. He has created good works for us to do. You know, God formed you to have a meaningful life, to make a difference in other people's lives. If you look at it from God's perspective, he wants to spend eternity with you. And we got to come back to that and understand that. And if you want to have the full blessing of living an incredible, impactful life, you got to come back to, God, to God's perspective. And I want to ask you this question. What is your perspective today? What is your perspective this morning? All right, I just want you to reflect on that. And now to really, you know, get, get your attention, I want to go ahead and do this, uh, this little exercise. I'm going to put a little phrase up on the, on, the, on the screen, and I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them the first thing that you read up there, okay? This is one of those mind things, all right? So here we go. Go ahead and look to the person and just say, what's the first thing you read? Go ahead. Turn to your partner. What's the first thing you read when you see that? All right? All right. What, what, go ahead and share with the person. What, what do you see? All right? You know, I really like this image. So, so you know, go ahead. Share out loud was the first thing you read. Oh, wait, what did you read? Go ahead, share it. Okay, so I don't know because there was a dilemma. Because some of you guys read, hey, God is nowhere. All right, some of you guys, you know, spiritual people said, hey, God is now here. Sorry, did I say that? I don't know. All right, now some of us read, hey, God is now here. See, what is your perspective? That's so huge. And I mean, the letters didn't change. I, I didn't do anything. I, I promise you, it was the same letters in the same location. But it was all our perspective. And that's why it's so important for us to understand, you know, we need to have a godly perspective. You know, what about while you're in the middle of a marriage bump, you said, hey, God is now here. What about in the difficulty of, of your family situation, your child rebelling, you trust and believe that God is right there working in the middle of that situation. What about even despite of the health challenge that you're going through, you're like, man, I'm not feeling well. There's so many things going on. I'm feeling overwhelmed. You stop and say, God is now here. Because so many of us, let's be real, we, you know, we get very discouraged. We forget that God is in our presence. And we say, God, where are you? But the whole time, He's right next to us. 
He's saying, I am right here. God is now here. I really like that. So keep that in mind for you. All right. So going on to, to the second thing, the first principle and the first core value that I wanted to talk about is having a godly perspective. When we have a godly perspective, it changes our whole outcome. It changes how we go about life. It changes how we give to others around us. So this leads me to the last core value that, we've been, that I'm going to mention. It's called becoming a contributor. All right, let's focus on being a contributor. Because look at going back to our friend Gideon in Judges chapter 7. I'm going to go ahead and fast forward because he had this whole dialogue with God. And he was like, God, I'm the weakest of the clan. Can I do it? And God's like, yes, I'm with you. He's like, well, if it's really you, then, then wait for me to do this. And, and he tested. And God was faithful. He was patient. And finally, Gideon, after a while, started believing that God was with him. So as we looked at here, look at Judges chapter 7 because this is later on in the next chapter. He says, now this is Gideon. Okay, so remember that timid, fearful, you know, trying to protect this little thing, you know, in the wine press. Now we see him in the next chapter. In Judges chapter 7, it says, watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and Ahu are with me, blow our trumpets. Then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. So this guy actually listens to God, starts becoming a mighty warrior, just like God called him to be. And now he starts focusing on other people around him. He grabs a couple hundred men and, de and defeats the Midianites. And it's really exciting to see that. But what happened, it all started from a godly perspective. See, he went from being a fearful man to a mighty warrior. But what did he do after he became a mighty warrior? He focused on other people. I want to ask you a question. Who are you impacting with your life? Who are you giving to? Who are you investing into? You know? And I just think about that because, uh, you know, my wife and I have the privilege of working with, with the next generation with the campus ministry here in the Lighthouse region. All right? And it's so exciting to be able to do that. But I'll be honest with you guys. For the millennials, for the teens, and for the campus, it's so hard to think about others. We live in a world that is just filled with, with consuming, you know, just buying things. It's all about us. We, have, we can isolate ourselves in the privacy of our phone. You know, we can distract ourselves. So we live in a very, you know, in a consumer's world. So it's so hard for us. And I just, I just got a challenge, you know. I'm going to be talking more about this at 11 o'clock where the campus and the teens are here, you know. But I want to challenge us to make sure that we have a mindset of how can I give back to the people around me. You know, look at the scripture here that follows in 1 Peter 4, 8. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And right after that in verse 10 it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to what? Serve to what? Serve to serve others. See, this is God's perspective. He doesn't want you to, he has blessed each one of us with different talents and gifts, you know. But the question is, are you using those gifts to serve others, you know. And it says, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And I want to challenge you, church. I want to encourage you. Don't be selfish with the gifts that God's giving you. Don't just think about you. But think about giving to others the same way that God has given to us. You know, and I really appreciate that because for me, I, you know, we, we got engaged and it was, uh, I, I got engaged in May, and in June, we got hired into the full-time ministry here at the Lighthouse, 
and I didn't get married until July. So as an engaged man, you know, my wife and I came from, you know, I was living in Arizona, came here, and right off the bat, our marriage wasn't about us. It was about the next generation and serving the campus ministry. And can I be honest with you guys? It was a challenge. You know what I mean? I'm like, for those of you guys that have been married, you're like, whoa. You know, I was, I was trying to figure out marriage and also trying to serve a ministry. And it was a challenge. But you know what? I'm so grateful that I did. Amen. I'm so grateful that I did. Not only because of the lives that have been changed in the campus ministry, but because I learned one valuable lesson. That my marriage is not about me. But it's about honoring God and serving his people. If you want to thrive, if you, thank you very much. That, I think that needs to be our perspective. We need to have this mindset. You know what? This marriage is not about me, but it's about honoring God and serving his people. And I'm so grateful that I did that. And, you know, and I think of two practicals on how to be a contributor. I'm going to talk about two simple practicals on how to be a contributor. The first thing is contribute your time. You know, I know that that's something that's super essential. The two things that I'm going to talk about is contribute back to God your time and your money. And because if you look at somebody's agenda and you look at their bank account, that will tell you their priorities. It's very clear. When you look at that, you will be able to tell what's important to someone. But, you know, why I share the importance of contributing your time is because, you know, um, many of you guys know Eric Benavuto. Uh, you know, it's been so encouraging because uh, at the 11 o'clock service, um, his brother is going to be getting baptized today. All right, so that's super cool. So um, it's, it's been very encouraging to see how Eric, you know, has persevered with his brother. He's invested. He has listened to him. He has been there. And over the past seven weeks, you know, we've been studying the Bible together. And, and let me tell you, just leading the Bible studies and seeing Eric there and contributing, you should have seen when he made the decision. You know, last Wednesday, we counted the cost, and Aaron was like, hey, I, I really want to get baptized. And you just see Eric, you know, just inside lighting up like, oh, this is so awesome. And he was like, yeah, that's cool. You know, like he was one of those, that, that brotherly, you know, brotherhood there. And that was so awesome. And, and today at 11 o'clock, he's going to get baptized. Why? Because Eric has used his gifts to honor God. Eric has served, he serves in the, in, the, in the children's wings, and, you know, he just contributes back. But then not only does it stop there, but some of you guys know Aaron Dominguez. All right, Aaron Dominguez has been a disciple for 20-plus years, been around for a long time. Well, what was really cool is that he has a nephew that he brought to church when he was 7 years old. His nephew now is 21 years old, and uh, we started studying the Bible back in September, and he's getting baptized tonight, today too. So that's really cool. I'm like, Wow. And as I thought about that, I was like, how cool is that? You think, like, and, and I was talking to Nate, and I was like, Nate, you know, because he comes from a Catholic background. And I said, hey, Nate, how did you decide? Like, you know, I mean, you come from a Catholic background. What's impacted you the most? And he said, you know what? I've always admired my uncle. Over the years, he's always been joyful, very loving. He's always cared for me. And he always makes time to, you know, he always makes it happen so that he can spend time with me. And now, you know, Aaron Dominguez is going to be baptizing his nephew, Nathaniel. That's super cool, isn't that? I'm like, man, that's so encouraging. But you got to ask yourself, how did that happen? Well, it started by them making the decision they were going to contribute their time to the church and to the people around them. And I want to encourage us to focus on things that are eternal. And lastly, I want to challenge you, and I want to encourage you, contribute financially. 
You know, like I said earlier, I'm really excited that I get a chance to serve in the campus ministry. And we also have Jacob and Tiffany Andrum that just moved here. So let's give them a warm welcome. They, they, uh, they were in the East Coast. All right. They just got married in January. So I know, I know the, the, you know, the trial by fire there of getting married. Uh, go ahead. And it's so glad to have you guys. And when I said they moved here, I didn't mean here in this region. They just came from the East Coast, and they're going to be partnering up, and we're actually going to be fellow workers. Um, uh, Jacob and, and Tiffany are going to be leading the campus ministry in the Lifehouse region right over there across the, that's it. Life, sorry, Lifeway. Lifehouse, Lighthouse, Lifeway. You know, I'm like, Life everything. No, all right, so sorry. Yeah, they're going to be out there, and we're so excited that you guys are doing that, and, and I'm really grateful. But we get a chance to focus on the next generation. We get a chance to impact it. But here's the deal. That, you know, we got to go, and, and it's only going to happen, and we have the resources for it. And here's what the Bible says about giving in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. It says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. So, again, Paul is writing to who? To the Macedonian churches. So, this is a specific letter to the churches. So, you know, if Paul was writing to us, he would probably say something like this to us. Look at what it says about the Macedonian churches. It says, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. You think about that, you're kind of like, that's an oxymoron, dude. That, that doesn't make sense. How can you be poor but rich at the same time? And look at why they, it says that they became rich. It says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. This is they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And you see their heart. They had a godly perspective. Even though they were going through severe trials, they still gave as much as they were able to and beyond their ability. And I want to just ask us this question. Do we give sacrificially to God? Or do we just give leftover? Because there's about two-thirds of us in the church here that gives consistently and sacrificially. But there's about a third of the church that is very sporadic, you know. And I just want to say, if you make the decision to contribute back to God financially, it's going to make an impact. And I know it's challenging, but again, we got to go back to God's perspective. In every situation in your life, ask yourself this question. What is God trying to accomplish in my life? And in closing, we got to go back to the cross of Jesus. Where do we get these principles? Where do we get this guiding values of, you know, having a godly perspective and being contributors? It goes back to Jesus on the cross. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, look at the example that God set for us. It says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up, for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You got to look at what was God's perspective? There's a shattered world out there. What am I going to do about it? I'm going to give my son. And now if you look at the life of Jesus, what did he do? He gave himself for us so that we can have a relationship with him. In a little bit, we're about to take communion. We're going to get a chance to reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus. And I want to encourage you as you reflect Say, man, have I had a godly perspective? Hey, am I contributing? So before we do that, uh, I want to just encourage you to think about the next faith steps. The next faith steps are coming up right here. The first one that I want you, what are the takeaways from this lesson? 
One is make a decision that you will have a godly perspective in every situation this week. And I just felt like it was on my heart to share this because I know that I've been there when I'm talking with my wife and, you know, I can see the tension building up. And I'm like, man, I have two, cho two choices here. I can either let God win or I can let Satan win. I got to realize that this is a spiritual battle. And I want to challenge you in your marriage, in your family, or in your studies, or wherever you're going through, ask yourself, man, am I having a godly perspective in this situation? Or am I letting, you know, the, the sinful nature take over? So that's step one. Step two is be a contributor. Give back to God consistently and sacrificially. Really want to plead for that. And the last one, come back to church next week. All right, let's go ahead and go to God in prayer, and then we'll take our, our communion. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for uh, this time just to be able to reflect on Jesus, the cross. Thank you so much for loving us. It's so humbling and encouraging to think about how you loved us, to think about, God, how you had the perspective to want to give to us. And I love the fact that you didn't hold back. You could have. But instead, you gave your very best. You gave your one and only son for us. And I pray that as we take communion, God, help us to imitate you. Help us to have your perspective in life in every situation. And help us to give back in many ways with all the gifts that we've been blessed with. Thank you so much. Be with us. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.